Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach. Always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I get all sorts of interesting emails and I so enjoy being able to answer them. I feel like I am your own very personal certified sexual addiction therapist, your own coach, your own betrayal recovery therapist, you know, I try to do it all. Now, I say that because, of course, the advice that I disseminate is not mental health advice. It's coaching advice. Why do I say that? Because, A, you cannot give any kind of professional advice across state lines, right? Unless you're a coach, and I'm a coach, and I've been a coach, you know, for the last, gosh, 15 years maybe. And so I really do feel that this field, working with sexual betrayal, is an advice-oriented field. I can't stress enough how important it is for the people that need the help to get specific recommendations. Now, in my lifetime... I was a therapist who believed in seeing people, oh gosh, maybe six sessions or less. I called myself a brief strategic therapist, and I really believed in what we know as an Ericksonian type of strategic therapist. That's Milton Erickson, not Eric Erickson, and he was a believer in You let people know that they have the answers within and they will come up with the right answers for themselves. Now, not so much for sex addiction because with sex addiction, an addict has been lying so long to him or herself that they don't know 
what's real and what isn't. I mean, sure, they have an idea of the kind of issues that they've had to face, and they know when they've out and out lied. But there are times that they minimize or rationalize, they justify, and they don't understand the process by which they stay in a state of denial. Same thing for partners, only different. Partners have been deceived for so long, they may have had, they may have had an intuition that something was wrong, but they didn't know what it was. And like so many of us, when there's some sort of conflict or tension or distance, we try to put the pieces together the best way we can. Now, for partners, they just tried to understand. Maybe it was because they had kids and they couldn't give their husbands or wives the normal amount of tension that occurred before the children. Or maybe it's because he or she is working so hard and they're just not relating in the same way. You get my drift. So when they do find out, when partners find out that they've been deceived and the worst of the worst has happened to them, their brain goes offline and they can't make decisions. And it's another good reason as a therapist or a coach to be advice-oriented and direct. Now, in coaching, we're supposed to assume that you have all the answers with it. But that that doesn't apply here. In coaching, what you're doing is giving clients resources that you believe they will be able to use in the best way possible. Does that make sense? So I'm very advice-oriented. I'm very direct. I encourage assertiveness. I'm assertive. I role model what I want to see. I will tell people when they're using stinking thinking. I will tell people when they need to change their approach. I will tell people when they're not working hard enough. And you know me. If you have seen my book, Help Her Heal, that is incredibly advice-oriented. And though I sure have gotten a lot of respect, and I appreciate my colleagues so much, both on the side of treating sex addicts and the side of treating betrayed partners. But what I know or what I suspect is that there are a lot of um, therapists out there that either do not work in sex addiction or that do work in sex addiction and aren't really 100% sold on um, the new model of sex addiction therapy that says, hey, if you're married, keep your wife abreast of everything you're doing to build that safety. Unless, of course, she doesn't want to know. And on occasion, I do meet partners that say, don't tell me, tell your sponsor. Don't tell me, tell your therapist. And, you know, what I say is it's up to the partner to make those kinds of choices because he or she didn't ask for this to happen. And he or she gets to make the decisions going forward for at least a year. It'll take at least one to three years for the brain to heal. And so if, let's just say she 
if she can decide what feels safe and stable for herself, I want that addict to do whatever he can to make that happen. Now, you know my course, Help Her Heal. It's an online course that teaches you the skills of empathy building. It teaches you the skills of relationship building. It teaches you about assertiveness. It teaches you about reflective listening. It teaches you about mirroring, check-ins, trigger busting. It is a guide to help your partner heal. And I cannot stress the importance of using the book, getting the online course, and then attending my workshop on July 18th. Because I know this stuff is hard, and I say men especially need repetition. If you're a female sex addict, you probably need repetition too because you have been living the life of self-centeredness, self-absorption, and selfishness. So you probably need it too. But definitely men have not been taught these skills to begin with. And if they had them, good for them. And if they didn't have them, oh boy, you need a crash course and you need to start practicing and you need to start doing the hard work. So go to my website, www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach, on the homepage and scroll down to help her heal. It's an online course, very affordable. You have it for life. You can go over it and over it and over it. And it's not just my teachings, but it's me talking to you. I have taped myself talking to you about this book and all the important parts of the book. So I've got people signing up for the workshop, but they haven't gotten the course yet, and they can't come to the workshop unless they've gotten the course and they've done at least a crash course in it, and hopefully they've been working on it for two or three months. Because um, that's what we need to do. You know in college you can get by doing crash uh, studying, crash course studying. I know I did. But the truth of the matter is when you're dealing with life issues, you want to get it right, you want to do it right, and because your partner is probably going to push you away and act like she doesn't believe what you're doing, you need to be well protected as you begin to make the changes that you need. And you need to know that when she's saying go away, she still wants you to get closer now, I'm not saying that you don't listen to her, but just know that most partners want reconciliation. Most partners want their family back. Most partners want the new and improved. And sex addicts, I've got to tell you, there's nothing better than a sex addict in recovery. So what I was going to tell you is that I do have some therapists, I'm assuming, that think I'm a little harsh in my book. Because I'm saying, if you're not willing to do the hard work, don't even try. Don't set her up for failure by not giving her what she needs. Don't set yourself up. And I do believe you can do anything you put your mind to. And so that's the approach I take. I'm a Rottweiler when it comes to my therapy. But I also understand that you have trauma, too. You know, you have two types of trauma, at least. You have the trauma that may have occurred in your own childhood growing up 
where you didn't get your needs met, whether you're an addict or a partner. And then you both have trauma from this discovery. He absolutely hates what he's done to the partner, and he is traumatized by her trauma. And, of course, we know that she's traumatized by what she's discovered. And so tonight we're going to be talking to a director and a producer. He's one of the same. And one of our favorite guests, Wendy Conquest. So we're going to be talking about, about The Light, which is a documentary that follows two different people on their journey using two different somatic therapies to understand their trauma and how these trauma work in the mind and body to be able to heal from the trauma. Wendy is a therapist because she is a trauma therapist, amazing trauma therapist. And Bradley Mason is the producer-director of this documentary called The Light. And, you know, we're going to be talking about somatic therapy and EMDR. And so you're going to hear some trauma survivors talking about trauma that they experience, not necessarily around partner betrayal or sex addiction, but just trauma in general. You know, when trauma occurs, it elicits a trauma response. And that trauma response can look a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. But I promise you, that trauma response is locked into the body, and the body keeps score. And what we know is that when the body keeps score, oftentimes your body will react to things both internal and external, and give you no particular warning. And that is always so triggering because all of a sudden the world doesn't feel safe. And when the world doesn't feel safe, again, that's certainly what happens to partners. When they've discovered the addicts acting out, they start looking at every potential scenario as if it's going to produce trauma. And then they become so traumatized that the addict who loves them but has been living this really scary um, behavior for so long watches as his wife or her husband just crumbles. And they say to themselves, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that to her. And I'm such a bad person, and I hate myself, and I hate what I've done, and I'll never be able to, to make her feel safe again. So we're going to talk about two processes that can help you get rid of some of your old trauma and some of the new trauma, and how important it is to work from a trauma perspective if you believe that you've got this trauma. And this documentary is so well done because it it so simply expresses what happens to the body and what needs to happen to correct the body, to correct the mind, and to correct the spirit within. And so 
I'm just so excited to be welcoming my guests, Bradley Mason and Wendy Conquest, and they're just going to talk about the light documentary. So I want to welcome you to the show. How are things going tonight? Oh, good. Excellent. And who's on the phone right now? Uh, this is Bradley, the director of the documentary. Hi, Bradley. I thought so, and I've got Wendy who's calling in right now, so I'm also going to include Wendy on the line, and I'm just so thrilled to have both of you because I've got to tell you, this documentary, The Light, is, I think, such important work for anybody who's been through trauma. So, Wendy, I want to welcome you to Sex Health Carol Post, too. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks, Carol. Well, you know, Wendy, it was you that passed information on to the listserv to say, hey, everybody, um, and this is, the listserv consisted of lots and lots of therapists and coach, coaches, and Wendy said, this is just a really important documentary I was a part of, and I think your, your clients will find it very helpful, and so that's when I said, oh, Wendy, come on the show and see if you can get Bradley on, too, because... Bradley, you did a phenomenal job with this documentary. Can you tell me, how did this film come to be? Um, Yeah, so, well, um, I made it when I was um, in film school, and my one of my friends was actually had to make a documentary for one of his classes, and he had this um, one of our characters in the documentary, Juan, he wanted to make something on him and we, I got to meet Juan and he kind of told me his story and he started talking about transformational body work. And just because I knew of, I also was a trauma patient. I did EMDR. Once he started describing it, um, I was like, Oh wow, that's just like EMDR. And it just made my mind to like start kind of rolling and I was like I've been wanting to make something about EMDR just because I also like knew the benefits of it and I was like how can I like bring these two things together and use I really wanted to make a mental health documentary about trauma and how but I really wanted to do it in the science world and show how it really works in the body and so people can be like oh this is just not like a you know, someone's just saying this works, we can actually, like, prove it from, like, the science standpoint that it does, but also do it as a very, like, narrative documentary. So it's, like, you know, interesting, not just a scientist sitting in front of you or a therapist saying, like, just saying stuff, but make it, like, very intriguing for the viewer to kind of walk away by the end and be like, oh, well, like, I see how this works and be able to also see it as a narrative, to see it in between people's stories. Well, and that is, you've got a very curious mind, and uh, that's what I was so impressed with. And obviously, Wendy, you come on strong at the beginning to talk about how important it is for people to work through their trauma using EMDR. How long have you been an EMDR practitioner? Well, I got trained in uh, 2000 when I was still in graduate school. So it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Well, um, 20 years. Mm-hmm. 20 years. And so you very succinctly explain how EMDR works. Will you tell our listening audience what EMDR is and 
how it works to help process images, memories, and um, belief systems. Yeah, I can do that, except Bradley did an amazing job at editing my long-winded <laughs> description of it, <laughs> but I will try I will try to do it succinctly. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so trauma, so we have a triune brain. We have three brains that layer on top of each other, and trauma is held in the second brain, in the limbic brain. And so with normal events, uh, things come through the midbrain and then get uh, processed in the cerebral cortex. And so it's, they're just, they're, they're, there might be memories or, or events happen and, and they're, they, they're not uh, stored in the brain at all. Uh, so, but with trauma, uh, it, it is the body's way of saying something bad has happened. And so you need to take every single piece of uh, information around that and make sure that when that information starts coming across in your environment again, that you uh, act. And you're either going to run or you're going to uh, fight. So that whole fight or flight piece. Um, And so, but when trauma happens, actually we go into a freeze state. So with EMDR, it uses what they call bilateral stimulation. So basically uh, anything that hits the right brain, the left brain, the right brain, the left brain, and pretty, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a particular rhythmic pattern that happens. And, um, and we, we, you know, we don't know exactly why those uh, trauma recalls then um, uh, that the bilateral creates almost this channel to be able to move it, to, to process it. Um, some people feel that it's held uh, mainly in the right brain and then so tapping the left brain, it kind of forces that brain to, to move the material. Um, and when people do this EMDR process, they have a range of different experiences as uh, was reflected in the movie. Um, people can have visual, um, uh, visuals come up. Uh, I've had clients that have no visuals. It's all heat in the body or trembling, shaking. Um, I've had people who have uh, uh, words come in. So the, each person um, processes trauma differently. Um, and, what happens then, we, we know that it's effective. I, I say this because clients will say, well, how do, Wendy, how do you know that it, it worked? Well, the next time that you're in a similar situation, like, you know, walking to your car, getting in your car, if you've had a, a car accident, a serious car accident, the moment you get in your car, you'll either go back into that freeze response or, or you won't. And we'll know right away whether it's worked or not. Yeah, it really does produce measurable results from the body's perspective. And and you also, Bradley, had had some experience with trauma and EMDR. Can you share your experience that you had? Yeah, so um, Wendy was actually my um, therapist. um, And I came to her, I think it's been like... uh, I want to say it's been about seven years. I don't know if you remember Wendy, but it's been a little while. It was a while. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so I came to Wendy, and 
I um, I actually grew up in North Carolina in the South, and um, I'm actually gay. And growing up there, like I'm 32 now, about turned 33, so it was kind of still early 2000s. And I mean, we've come a long way, but still, at that moment in time, there was still a lot of like um, negativity, a lot of shame, a lot of bullying, and it kind of just. Uh, just really made me scared of certain things. And once I moved out to Colorado, um, I couldn't really be in relationships. Um, if I was in the bed with someone, I would, like, shake. And I would have, like, it was really hard for me to, like, have those experiences. And then I finally um, met a great friend group, and they kind of just showed me how great it is to just be to be seen and be loved and be able to be able to touch another um, friend that's a guy and it's not anything sexual. It's just friendship. And it showed me something I'd never seen before in the South. And that led to um, one of my best friend's brothers. And I ended up falling in love with that person. And I had some really deep issues I needed to figure out. But having that love, it made me like, okay, like I want to like be in a relationship, but I just don't know what to do with what's all going on inside of me. And, uh, yeah, I reached out. Um, I called a therapist, and um, I think it was uh, Louisville uh, Longmont um, found someone. I'm not remember exactly how I found her, but went and talked to her, and she was like, well, actually, I'm not experienced in the realm of what you're um, talking about, but let me reach out. And I think she kind of put my information out in, like, a, Facebook for therapists, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, like a week later, um, Wendy called me and I was like, I think I can really uh, help you. And I was like, sweet. And then I kind of came in and she kind of gave me her protocol and kind of said, kind of gave me the rundown of like how she does everything in the sense of natural. Like I had to stop, you know, doing anything that would numb me. So that's like drinking or any um, drugs of any kind. And which was not really a big deal for me. She even said she was kind of a little surprised when I came back. She was like, yeah, usually that like scares people off. But I was like, I was really ready. And I think that's one of the big parts of most therapy is you have to be ready and you really want to make that change. And yeah. And then she introduced me to, I think we first started with brain spotting. I think was the first one, Wendy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that one had a little effect, but we then we did EMDR and that's when it just like clicked right away and like I was very like just shocked about um, how quick it was. I mean we spent sessions you get to learn about yourself and learn where those traumas are because I just never thought trauma could be just like growing up gay in the South. Um, and that's the interesting thing about trauma is like it can be these really little things that you don't think are, like, traumatic. But for me, that was, and I just never thought that that's what it could have been that was causing all these things. And, yeah, we did the EMDR, and, you know, I had all these, like, releases in the sense of, like, hot flashes. And it was just the trauma moving from my nervous system to the brain, like when you was talking about, and to be processed. And it just, uh, it just fascinated me. And that made me, yeah, lead me to film school and led me to, like, want to make something about these kind of therapies because I just never knew they even existed. And I know EMDR is still kind of a newer <clears throat> therapy, but, um, yeah, it just kind of really 
uh, blew me away of just like what it was and how that could be trauma. Well, absolutely. And actually, they say that EMDR is the most researched trauma treatment in the world. And part of it is because it is so measurable. And I love that you used the word protocol. I'm an EMDR therapist, too. And and there is a specific protocol to this initially so that you can get proper measurements and levels of disturbance and all that stuff. But then it really is Wendy's ability to watch how you work and help you process things that your mind and body know need to be processed, even if you don't exactly understand. Uh, It's an amazing technique. And, And, Wendy, you've been doing it for a long time. How do you feel about this having been so significant that he actually went back to school, film school, and wanted to make a documentary film about this mental health trauma treatment. Well, um, Bradley's exceptional uh, in many, many ways. Um, And so um, I think that, um, huh, um, you know, I this, the therapeutic relationship is such a is a, such a special one. I think is such a sacred one. Um, so, um, of course, um, I was um, struck and ha- happy. First of all, that he was fulfilling a, a dream of becoming a filmmaker. I mean, that's you know. When someone um, finds out really who they are and how they're going to manifest in the world, that's a that's an amazing thing to witness to and to be a part of. Mm-hmm. If I get emotional. If I get emotional, <laughs> so I'm forgiving. Um, I can and... it. It's nice. <laughs> so, um, so there's you know there's that piece of 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 you, Bradley, just you know, saying, I think this is what I, you know, I want to do and and doing it. And then, you know, coming back and saying, you know, this is what I think I want to do it on or, or, you know, one, I mean, he's, he's done a number of documentaries and I'm sure there's a lot more films, you know, inside of him for sure. Um, But that when he came back and said, you know, this is what I want to do. And, you know, will you, will you be in it? I, I, you know, actually without hesitation, I said, well, of course, any, any, any way I can, help out that that's great um and so uh i i think it's a it's a short film right it's not very long but the way that it's been um created he created it i you know he he did it so um the 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 way that it's been structured and um the the how he put it together frankly is brilliant because in in minutes it describes how trauma works and how it can be worked with successfully. And so I think a lot of therapists have challenges um, talking about trauma, describing trauma. I think EMDR therapists sometimes don't know how to describe the, the protocol, the process. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that this film is, is really priceless. It's really, 
um, how do I say, uh, valuable to to, uh, to other therapists, to clients, to just to anybody um, to understand. Because trauma, I would say, you know, being uh, alive in 2020, especially with the pandemic right now, everyone is getting some sort of trauma. It just is happening. All right. I so, so get that um, kind of what, and, and that's what I love about it. You know, he talked about the little traumas, you know, that he didn't even realize that being bullied and being put down and not really having the comfort level because of the community to be who he was, that produced trauma. And so we talk about big T traumas like COVID-19 or hurricanes or plane accidents, and then we talk about little t traumas like parents divorcing or witnessing abuse or, you know, um, neglect. But what I believe, and I bet you do too, Wendy, is that trauma is trauma, and it matters not whether it's big T or little t. Processing trauma oftentimes means processing lots of different trauma that actually log jam together. Now, I'm right. wondering, Brad, you know, you found Wendy because she was your therapist. I want to know, how mm-hmm. did you find the other therapist who obviously talked about somatic body work, and how did you find the other trauma survivors in, in the documentary? Well, it was interesting because, I mean, I have to give it to Juan. He uh, was one of the characters. And, um, you know, literally the first time I sat down with him, he just started telling me about his life. Um, we don't even get into much of his life because it is a short, but he's had, like, I mean, he's survived cancer three times, and he's had all kinds of childhood trauma, and he's also gay, too. And he just started talking and, and how he found um, transformational body work. He started talking about because he's actually a transformational body work therapist now, and he told me who he learned from, and it was Fred Cow, which is the therapist that's in the doc, and I started looking him up, and he is, like, one of the um, one of the people that is very in that community, and I just sent him an email, and he lives in Northern California, and I told him what I was doing, I told him that Juan uh, told me about it, and he was just, like, um, tickled and was like, yeah, if you come up, um, we'll we'll talk. And I got – I bought a, t- a plane ticket that week and drove uh, – flew into San Francisco, rented a car, drove three hours up the coast, and um, stayed in this little, uh, like, ocean town that he lived by and just sat in his um, office and – we just sat around and talked about trauma also like what we're doing for a couple of hours and he kind of has the same thoughts and, and I interviewed him and he was kind of segment. And then when I was, because originally it was just one and I was trying to find a way to link um, EMDR and all this together. And, you know, what happened was I didn't know that these were all branches of somatic therapies. And that's the interesting thing I didn't know until later is there's a whole slew of them and they all work, you know, differently for everyone else. Um, and so once I found that, I also, um, Hayden, that is the other character in the doc that we followed, he actually went to film school with me 
and he um, came over to my house one night, and um, we were having a beer together, and he just, um, like, I think it was like a month before is when he was working at Starbucks, and his door got robbed, and I was like, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's not good. And he was telling me some of the side effects he was having and we talked about in the documentary. He wasn't being able to sleep. He, was, he would shake if he would go near a coffee shop. That's what he did for a living. I was like, oh, man, that's trauma. You really should go to a therapist. And if you can, look for someone that does somatic therapies. And to tell you the truth, I'd look in the EMDR. And so he actually took my advice because most people don't want to come to mental health and uh, he went and found a therapist and did uh, EMDR and it like the same thing it just changed everything for him and then within like I think a month or two he was working back at another coffee shop not Starbucks anymore but he was working at a local one and he was able to be there and it didn't affect him Mm-hmm. Well, yes, because he's the young man that had a gun put to his head, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and he actually did the reenactments for us, and he was totally fine with it, and we had a therapist there um, for him on call and everything. And because Mm -hmm. of the EMDR, he was was able to be in that situation, kind of like what Wendy was talking about with the fight or flight response is like, he could be in that situation or be around that circumstance and it didn't give him like anxiety or it didn't freak him out because he was able to process those memories to where it wouldn't trigger his nervous system. Well, I, I want to let my listening audience know I'm talking with Wendy Conquest, the therapist for this documentary called The Light, and Bradley Mason, who was the director and the producer. And this is actually been submitted to a film festival, has it not? Yeah, we actually um, submitted it to around like 60. And it's been accepted to about 10 of them now with COVID, unfortunately. Most of those film festivals, they're, they're, they're not happening or they're going to online format. Um, so and there's a lot more that we're hearing won't be here back until the coming months, but right now, yeah, it's been up to 10, and then like with COVID, we kind of don't know what that world's going to look like now, just because the film festival is an event. Yeah, I understand that. I'm I'm a new author, and every book signing that I had planned got canceled, and it's just, I have yeah. to believe that there is a higher power, and this thing will get bigger and better as a result of having to wait. I just have to believe that, if you know what I mean. Oh, definitely. Um, so I want to tell our listening audience that they can go to um, Vimeo.com, and the number for the link to your film is 422-798-550. And what I'll do is I will put that link in my descriptor so that our audience can go to the link and take a look at, obviously, this incredible film. I mean, you have worked so hard on it. Um, And I know that they can contact you by going to vimeo.com forward slash Bradley Mason, and they can actually Mm -hmm. email you at bradmason02 at gmail.com. 
So you're accessible if somebody has questions or, you know, they're interested in, in showing your film, you would be happy to talk to them about that. Oh, yeah. They can email me or, like you said, you just go to vimeo.com and it's like flash those numbers and the film comes right up and it's up for anyone to see. Um, and, yeah, you can contact me about any any questions or and stuff about it. You know, because clearly this is a documentary about trauma treatment and about how trauma affects people differently but in very, very similar ways. And you also um, had said to me that you really think that it's a documentary that deals with a deeper level. Can you share a little bit about what you meant when you said, you know, it's more than just trauma. It's on a deeper level. Yeah, I mean, on a surface level, this film is just about how trauma works and the body and how these therapies allow you to process it. But, like, one of the key things that I really wanted to show and, like, really talk about is the base of all these uh, therapies, they want you to feel it, you know, until you actually, like, stop numbing yourself and actually feel the pain that the trauma actually did to you it doesn't get released. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's like the key point in it all. And that's what we try to show is like all of this for some reason. And um, me and Wendy have talked about, I don't know if there's, um, if we actually know why, but for some reason for these things to work, you know, when you do EMDR somatic, it's when you start, when you start it, it's you're recalling the trauma and then it's kind of, you're letting your body, feel it and then your body feels it and then it processes it and I don't know why that is but that is the one thing that most of us in this generation and most in um, America you are told to like to run away from your um, feelings and this these therapies tell us a whole different story that no like you don't need to run and it might be uncomfortable but if you can take the time and actually sit down and like feel this to its fullest it will like it will move out of your system and for some reason you have that's the key point is you have to feel this pain and this trauma for it to actually like be moved and so like kind of the old saying i would always hear growing up in the south is like as a, a male you you're supposed to suck it up you're supposed to like you know you're not supposed to show those emotions it's just suck it up and move on and that is like the worst thing you can say to anyone um, from my standpoint now. It's like, no, you need to feel that. You need to feel that loss or that trauma that happened, and then it will finally move on. But if you don't do those steps or that key point, it just stays there. It will stay there your whole life. And it has, you know, trauma has different side effects for everyone. You know, some of it's very small, some of it's very big, and some people go to live very successful lives monetarily, but I would say they're not very successful in their, like, emotions in, internally. And these, this documentary, my key point, what I wanted to say at a deeper level is, you know, there's no point to run. It's like running's not going to do anything. You need to just, you need to feel it. And that's where the true uh, power in all this is. Oh, and that makes so much sense. And Wendy, to explain to our listening audience, because trauma does take on so many different forms, how would somebody know if they are 
experiencing anxiety or if they're truly experiencing a trauma response? Well, that's a little bit tough because um, I think when you are traumatized, there is a lot of anxiety that happens as well. So, um, you know, the old, uh, I would say, um, I'm going to say I did. So the the old definition of PTSD would be post-traumatic stress disorder would be um, nightmares and uh, uh, night terrors and um, thinking of the event over and over and over again. Um, yes, though that's that certainly can be part of it. Um, my thought is, if you if you, if you feel your body uh, in distress. And so that distress might look very different depending on who you are. Um, and if you are regularly feeling that way, and and uh, I don't think it matters so much the environment or uh, certainly if it's a person, you know, you keep meeting with a person and you're having uh, a lot of uh, body distress, mental distress, headaches, stomach aches, tension in the body, your body's saying there's something wrong here. You know, some, either this person reminds you of somebody else or this, or there's been a dynamic with you and this person that is uh, creating uh, a reaction in you that's saying this, you know, I'm not okay with this person. I don't feel safe with this person. Um, So, but that could be also uh, different situations uh, at work or uh, socially or, uh, around uh, decisions you have to make, or so. Um, I guess my thought would be is if you are having um, a lot of upset and you can't figure it out, to seek out a uh, a therapist that has EMDR in their skill set and and uh, see what comes up. I think I think that's an adequate description, and I know that you originally said that trauma obviously gets stuck in that um, amygdala, which is the fight, flight, or freeze part of the brain. And so if you, um, as a potential client or patient or listener, are having anxiety and it's immobilizing you, or if you're having anxiety and you're wanting to fight it out, or um, flee, that's typically a good sign that you really are experiencing trauma. And the good thing about EMDR is that it processes almost anything that has been stored in the body. So if you're prone to a lot of anxiety, it will work out some of that anxiety because guaranteed it's been stored. And if you're traumatized, then locked in the body. So I... I just can't say enough for any kind of somatic um, therapy. And Bradley, for you to have recognized how important it was and to want other people to know about it, to speak so highly of you, what would you say, Bradley, is the number one thing you've learned from all of your work on trauma and trauma treatments? Um, you know, the thing I've learned the most about it all is 
everyone has trauma. It can be what we've talked about. It can be very small. It can be very big. And what how EMDR should be looked at and how mental health should be looked at, it should be a maintenance. Everyone, in a, in a way, should be kind of just doing this and checking in and making sure. Because you don't know what is stored in your body, and you don't know the random side effects it's having in your life. It could have, you could be having control issues, you could have having anxiety, you could be having crazy emotions. You just don't know. So there's, to me, there's no reason to not look at these therapies as just maintenance. And just like kind of checking in with yourself and just making sure that you um, are being the best you can be at the moment and making sure there's nothing internal like making decisions for you that you not, you're unconscious about or subconscious level. And, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just, like, knowing that it's also a, it's a lifetime journey. It's not just, like, you go get this therapy and you never have to go back again. Um, I mean, I was pretty fortunate after I did mine. Like, I didn't see Wendy for, like, years afterwards. But I've always talked about, you know, I will probably always do MDR as a maintenance if something comes up in my life. And, I mean, with COVID, you know, it's like I'm sure there's some stuff stored in there because it's really rocked um, the film world. And, yeah, I think it's just a good thing to always have on your tool belt just for just generally um, maintenance in your life and making sure that you are being able to do your life the best you can and stuff. But, yeah, just kind of, yeah, that's what I would say. Well, I, I like that advice. And, and, Wendy, what would you say? What would you like our listeners to know if they suspect they've got trauma or if they're looking at pursuing a trauma treatment, a somatic experiencing type treatment? Well, I'm going to piggyback on what Bradley said. I I think that everyone's got trauma, actually, and so – um, you know, I hear the question being, what if you suspect you have trauma? Um, I, I think that sometimes we're acting and reacting in ways that are not beneficial to us, and, and we don't know why. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, my my very first experience as EMDR with a client was, um, and this was about, uh, boy, uh, <laughs> how long now? Uh, 16 years ago, is it that long? Um, yeah, probably. Um, my uh, teenage stepson was getting um, pretty uh, aggressive, uh, assertive, assertive, not aggressive, but assertive with me. And uh, my, I had this reaction of really wanting to confront him. And the moment it happened, the moment I said, um, whoa, this is, this, this is not good. Like, this, this is not a good thing. I was in graduate school, and I knew <laughs> this was not a good reaction. And, um, and so I, uh, uh, I'm in Boulder, Colorado, so we, we have a lot of um, alter- – I'm going to call them alternative therapies, somatic therapies here, practitioners and, and institutes and such um, – so I uh, uh, sought out an EMDR therapist here, and in, in after two sessions, um, 
uh, my stepson was doing, you know, this kind of confrontational behavior and no reaction. I had absolutely no reaction to it and could talk to him calmly and, and work through it. So um, he didn't cause the trauma. That trauma was caused from my alcoholic dad um, being, being aggressive. Um, And so, but my stepson was the trigger that lit up my brain to say, whoa, this is, you know, this is a definite fight or flight response. You're going to fight. I'm not going to, you know, that could have gone really badly. So I would say whenever you feel like a situation is really off, that you aren't yourself, um, to um, question, oh, yeah, maybe maybe this could be something more than I think it is. Uh, and to do some research and to get some help. Well, and and the organization that will let you know uh, about good practitioners that are EMDR skilled is EMDRIA, and that's E-M-D-R-I-A, and that is the governing organization that certifies all of us. So if you're interested in finding an EMDR therapist in your area, go to EMDRIA. E-M-D-R-I-A. And Wendy, how can people get a hold of you or just share with our listening audience the, the books that you've written, that you've authored oh, sure. and co-authored? Yeah. Sure, sure. So um, you can go to wendyconquest.com or you can go to sacc.center. Uh, I'm in Boulder, Colorado, and I've uh, authored two books. The first one is Letters to a Sex Addict, uh, The Journey Through Grief and Betrayal. The second one is co-authored by Dan Drake, who is in L.A., and that is Letters from a Sex Addict, My Life Exposed. So um, uh, anyone that is uh, um, sexually addicted uh, or addicted to pornography um, or a partner could um, uh, read either or both of those books. Excellent. And you two, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, the documentary is called The Light. You can actually Google it. I just did. And it will send you to a link to the film so that you can take a look at that. Um, I'm talking tonight to Bradley Mason, M-A-S-O-N, and Wendy Conquest, who was the therapist the real-life therapist in the documentary, and it's talking about trauma treatments. And you heard Wendy say she believes we've all had trauma. And so if something isn't working in your body or if you don't like how you're showing up when it comes to your life circumstances, uh, body work, EMDR, and somatic therapies may be just the answer so thank you, Bradley, and thank you, Wendy, for coming on the show tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Anytime. You guys keep me posted on those awards that you're winning, okay? <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks, have a good day. I'm serious. All right, you make it a good one, and have a great thanks, week. Thanks, Carol. Bye-bye. And so, again, you know, we talk about trauma because trauma is a big part of 
or can be a big part of one's experience. Uh, whether you grew up in an alcoholic home, a drug addict home, whether you've been raped, whether you've been mugged, whether you've um, whether you've fallen on a stairs and broken your back, and no, I'm sorry, just talking about that last little incident I had. Um, it it can be very helpful to work out those issues by processing information memories and images through the use of bilateral stimulation and uh, resourcing. Okay, so I hope that you make it a good week. I, I, I hope that you had an excellent 4th of July. You know, I know this was an unusual one, but I hope you were able to um, create an experience for yourself that you found enjoyable. Because no matter what your situation, it's up to you to find things that neutralize it and make it make it your own. Okay. I will see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And please, you'll only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Have a great week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.